0: Welcome to Basic Black. Some of you are joining us on our live broadcast. Others are joining us on Facebook Live and Twitter. I'm Chris Collins. Callie Crossley has the night off. Our topic tonight, the job market for college graduates. Yes, graduation season is here and that means many college students from the area tossing the old cap and gown in the air and closing the books on their college career. And entering the world of work, are they ready? What are the challenges and the roadblocks for students of color to be successful going forward? Joining us tonight, Executive Coach Demetrius L. Russell, Founder and Managing Director, Venn Diagram Partners, LLC. Aisha Francis, Chief of Staff at Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology. Carolyn Tidwell, Interim Acting Director of the Center for Career Development at Curry College. And Jabril Robinson, Assistant Director of Career Education and Diversity Initiatives at Boston College. Welcome to you all. Thank, Thank you, you. having What a great time. Yeah, yes. We're talking about four or five weeks in... College is over for a lot of people entering the workforce, or at least potentially trying to enter the workforce. Carolyn, are they ready? Are they ready to go
1: here? Some are, some are not. I would say those students who had internships and before they graduated, they're ready. They may have gotten a job offer already, and they've accepted it, and they were ready back in December and January. Those who are just walking into our office, though, today saying, gee, I'm looking for a job after graduation, they're not ready. They have not done the process of seeking an internship, which mirrors the process of looking for full-time employment after graduation. And that means preparing a resume, actually having a cover letter, having the experience, knowing how to interview, network and research opportunities. So those students, unfortunately, are not going to be as prepared as those other students have worked in terms of getting work experience through their internships before graduation.
0: So, Jabril, what's to be done if somebody just, you know, introduces themselves to the, the process, you know,
2: at this late date? How do you get them into the workforce seamlessly? Absolutely. You know, it definitely is a, it's a difficult challenge, uh, but it's an exciting opportunity. Every student that comes into a career center is starting the uh, job search process, uh, has unique strengths, unique needs. Um, I think one thing is to really encourage the student to explore. Uh, what I do often with my students, no matter where they are in the job search process, is really engage in what we call a SWOT analysis opportunity for students to really do in-depth analysis on their strengths, their weaknesses, the external opportunities, and the threats they may face in the job search process. Um, that combined with not only just their major, as we know many times in careers major doesn't always coincide with the career path choice, but to really do an analysis on Essentially, what resources are at their disposal? Who are they connected to? I think the networking we'll talk about probably on the show is huge. Who are they connected to as far as alumni of their school, sure. as far as other professionals? How can we put them in touch and explore the online and offline tools to really maximize not just their, their competence, but their confidence in the job? Sure, so you're job.
0: talking about a process. So if you're not really familiar with the process, a lot of, you know, those of us of color could be potentially, you know, first in the generation of the family to go to college, how do you get them acclimated to getting really up to speed with people they'll be competing against, you know, not of color?
3: Sure. I think one of the ways to combat that is to start as early as possible. Mm -hmm. And at Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology, we are primarily a a two-year college. And the thing that we do is start with students integrating career services and um, career readiness into Mm classwork from the first semester so that it's a little bit of um, kind of sneaking it in if you will so that uh, students are um, getting the opportunity to do practice interviews Mm -hmm. answer questions do a bit of self-reflection in kind of a general ed seminar so that's one approach Mm -hmm. it's you know that way the um, students have more time to get used to the lingo and the language of what it means to be career-ready uh, without waiting until the last minute.
0: Demetrius, your career is getting people career-ready after they leave college, coaching, uh, figuring things out, how to lead. What are you seeing from the college graduates as they approach the work world?
4: Well, I would just say, it, one, it's exciting time. Yeah. Um, it's also fraught with a lot of nervousness. Uh, and anxiety around what am I walking into and to build on some of the the comments that have been made um, one of the things to definitely sort of mitigate that level of anxiety is to learn as much about the company as you can do your homework, do your research Mm -hmm. and um, if you can also find alumni who may be working at that company that you can reach out to informally to have conversations with before you even get there so that you can get a sense of the culture you know a big thing about going into organizations especially if you've had an internship there or not um, is to learn what you're walking into like how to show up I mean you've been a student right your hours have been a little different now you're in a nine-to-five and there's a way to show up at a nine-to-five that is completely different than showing up as a student so one you gotta understand how to show up and then secondly you know during your onboarding process a lot of it has to do with you know I call simply just being your own chief observation officer mm-hmm. look at how people dress what time they arrive what they eat for lunch when they leave and whatever that is integrate that into your routine because that's the culture what you're doing as being your own coo is observing the culture and how do you fit into this new culture that you're that you're a part of now and the third thing is you know to build the relationships right mm-hmm. get to know the cohort that you are coming in with, and if you're lucky enough to get connected to other people within the organization, alumni again going back to that, take advantage of that, but really get to know your cohort and people within the organization, uh, because that's going to be key to having people get to know who you are. Some of those attributes that you mentioned, you know, soft skills. Yes. Uh, are, are
0: we actively teaching those of colors, color on campus,
1: soft skills? Well, I know at some campuses we're integrating it in with some of the courses. You in, in, um, indicated that also. We have coursework that helps them with the process before they seek out internships. Um, at Curry College, actually, the football coaches are talking about um, providing opportunities for their players to give presentations right. so they become comfortable in actually talking to large groups of people. Mm-hmm. So if you integrate career services throughout the entire campus, one of the biggest things however, is you do have to make it a requirement. Students are not going to actually do an internship if it's optional because they still don't understand the value of it. They still don't understand what career services is all about. And once, if you leave it up to them, they're not actually going to do an internship. And that's where you're going to get those soft skills. You're going to have to learn how to communicate and do teamwork. And you can get that in classes, but the best time to do it is when you're actually in a work situation um, communicating via email professionally, or going on an interview, or doing a phone interview, is different than texting your friend. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <laughs> and
0: uh, you know, I've been instrumental in starting a program at UMass Boston, and one of the biggest concerns that you know when we started interviewing people and talking about the program was the lack of communication skills, and mm-hmm. you know, the lack of you know being able to write a real email, a letter, as opposed to a text message. It, are we preparing our kids on campus to be good communicators outside of social media?
2: Yeah. That's a great question, and I think it's so important, you know, like you said, employees are, you know, yes, the technical skills, the problem solving, et cetera, but communication is absolutely crucial. One program at Boston College that we recently instituted is called the Endeavor program. It's something that's geared towards sophomores in the liberal arts, and it's one of our programs in which not only through workshops, reflection activities, engagement with alumni, to be able to actually hear alumni on panels in workshops, talking about and really emphasizing those skills. We find that when working with students, It's one thing if as practitioners we speak towards the importance of communication and being able to not just develop that, but how to convey and articulate that, Mm -hmm. those skills through a resume, through a job interview, and use evidence-based storytelling. Mm-hmm. But of course, when they hear that from the alumni in those respective industries, it, it's, it's, it's emphasized and it's accentuated even more. Mm-hmm. So I think when we use a combination of that asset allocation, what we're saying, introducing students to other upperclassmen or alumni that are on those pathways utilizing those skills, and speaking to the importance of those skills, it's important for any student, but particularly for students of color that face levels of disfra- disenfranchisement, uh, marginalization, um, and really often don't know what they don't know, particularly their first generation in the college environment, right. it's absolutely crucial that we have a campus beyond the brick and mortar sure. office that really uh, reverberates the need for those skills.
0: When I look at unemployment you know, of those of color, and it, the, the numbers are fairly low, Mm-hmm. but they still lag considerably behind white people. Mm-hmm. Are we still in a situation where we have to do it a little bit better to get those jobs? Or is that I, I review mirror stuff?
3: No, I think one of the things that is that can be discouraging is that um, You know, recent studies have shown that there is, there continues to be bias in um, job um, opportunities that are given to youth of color or people of color, period, versus folks who are equally qualified um, who, who are white. So we know that. I think one of the things that can be a bright spot is thinking about ways that technology can help to move beyond some of the bias that exists in the workplace, and um, there are, um, I think, an increasing number of skills-based job application um, processes and companies that are being started. Um, There's one locally called Skillist, and there are probably others, but I think that's one way to combat bias. Um, It actually takes the name off of the um, job applicant's Mm you know what what people see on the other sure. side, and um, leads with skills. And so, I think getting back to this, your previous question about how we prepare students of color for the soft skills that and the competencies that they need in the workplace you know I think that you know it just takes so much practice and and especially if if you're first generation college student or even if you're not I I wasn't a first-generation college student I still needed practice I needed that communication course in, in school so I think you know we have to find ways to make those courses relevant to students and meet them where they are so that that, um, they do see the value and make it fun. Right. You know, make um, the the sort of practice communication courses about pitching businesses that they're actually interested in. Yeah. Help have them choose the topics, have them choose uh, what they're presenting on. So those are some of the ways that I think it can be um, a little bit um, more motivating for students. Right. For
0: someone who's spent you know pretty much my entire professional career in communications, I've never taken a communications course. Mm-hmm. But what has been most valuable and has led my career has been the art of communicating and really the art of networking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean networking has been everything for me and that got me from one place to another. Are we doing a good enough job as far as you know reaching out to those on campus of color and, and getting them into a bigger network, something that's bigger than their campus, something that's bigger than their, their neighborhood?
4: Um one thing i want to say about communication um, i'm going to borrow from james humes now is the former presidential speech writer and i use it when i work with executives and that is every time you open your mouth you're auditioning, auditioning for leadership number one mm-hmm. and then secondly the art of communication is the language of leadership nice. right and so i want to come back to your comments caroline about preparation and how do you mitigate bias um right now I wish I was coming out of college getting a job now. I mean, the the unemployment rate is 4% or thereabouts. Yep. Um, and even for people of color, it's been at the lowest rate in recent Six memory. And change about 6.7. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, they're coming you, you they're entering into a workplace that um, you know, is much better than it was when I came out many many years ago. I'm not going to age myself, but mm-hmm. so the opportunities are there, but a lot of it has to do with preparation. Mm -hmm. You know, I was first generation high school graduate. I was first generation college graduate, first generation to work in a corporation. I was completely unprepared, completely naive, and um, it was really hard. I had to work twice as hard to be just as good. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I would do is, as a college student now, I would begin taking advantage of whatever resources are available to me on campus, whether it's going to career fairs, Mm -hmm. going to panels, like this and asking questions of what's it like working in a corporation it's different than anything else they will ever experience in life and so i'm a big advocate of take advantage of what's free and available to right. you now.
2: If I could add to that quickly, yeah. too, as far as networking goes, uh, really you know, utilizing those vast resources, something I often work when I'm working with students, I do um, uh, communicate to them is thinking of networking, is, it's a very amorphous term for many people, particularly students that associate networking with something that's more transactional and business-like and you just throw out cards and you're just trying to acquire contacts. I really like to work with students and help them understand that networking, instead of being viewed as a hunting tool, should really be viewed as a farming tool proactively to cultivate relationships both to give and to derive uh, value as well. Something I'm um, just jumping off some of those points, uh, most schools, most college campuses have a variety of different networking resources. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have LinkedIn, which is a really ubiquitous tool to be able to reach out to right. alumni, employers, et cetera. Um, and so working with students in the, in the weeds on that, and how do you identify, how do you outreach, how do you follow up with these individuals, mm-hmm. even on your own time ad hoc, but a great resource that career centers and campuses have are their alumni community uh, portals or databases. Mm-hmm. And so most students don't know that unless it's taught to them, particularly if they didn't have relatives that attended the school, All et cetera. Right. So I think it's, it's a mixture of helping the students develop and create those new tools like LinkedIn, as well as really put them in front of those other existing offline online tools, mm-hmm. Takes a lot of effort and yeah. partnerships to do that as well. You know, what also is,
0: concerns me is the direction as far as the the majors that we're selecting. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at technology, we're, we're underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at finance and business, underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Are we doing a good enough job getting the degrees that we need to to get the right jobs?
1: I think um, what needs to happen also with employers also, but we need to also. Um, coach our students to realize that it's not necessarily what you major in is what you have the skills to do. So sometimes a student can be let's say a sociology major but they have very strong skills in the IT area and if they do an internship in the IT area that will change their focus in terms of what opportunities will be available for them after graduation. In other words your major does not equate to what you're going to do sure. after graduation. Although many and students and everyone thinks that that's what's going to happen. We have students sometimes who are in communications, they'll go to a career fair and they say, There's no employer here for me. I'm going, But the hospital is looking for a communication right. major. The hospital is looking for an IT major. They somehow narrowly, myopically think that their major equals what the type of employer they need to go to. And we try to get them to understand that they can combine their. If you're interested in sports and basketball and you're an IT major, you can still work with those folks in basketball and sports because all those folks need IT majors to work all those computers, et cetera, et cetera. So just expanding their idea in terms of what they can do in terms of their majors. Yes, there are going to be some majors that you need to actually major in like nursing and education where you're going to have to have that degree in order to do that kind of specific work Mm -hmm. or mechanical engineering or you know chemical engineering or biology but the other majors are a little bit fluid and it's what you are going to be doing in terms of work experience before your graduation that's sort of going to slide you into the opportunities after graduation.
0: Aisha, are you concerned about the the current graduating class?
3: Um, at at our college, I'm I'm not. I I think one of the um, good things about um, uh, the preparation that happens at Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology is that it is very hands-on. So our students are um, in labs that give them on-the-job training if you will and we as much as possible endeavor to seek uh, paid internships and paid work experiences for our students the majority of our students are students of color majority are first-generation college students and uh, fully Pell eligible so we know that they're they're also working that um, in order to get job relevant or um, work experience that's relevant to their major, we need to help them provide that for them in a way that's paid. And I think the other thing that I would say is that um, we are a technical college and so there is high demand for all. Of the majors that we have we don't uh, produce students in areas where there isn't high demand um, and so as a result we have 80 to 90 percent job placement rate or um, students choosing to go and, and further their education so um, you know, it's uh, a matter of students' understanding. Where we do see a challenge is them understanding the opportunities that are before them so that more students will come um, and and take advantage of of the opportunities in technical fields.
0: And once we get those jobs, how do we get to a position of leadership? And then once we get into a position of leadership, how do we work effectively if we really haven't been trained to do such?
4: it's a great question um i could think of a couple things that i'll just you know mention from a thematic standpoint uh one is relationships and when i work with clients you know i give them a model that i've come up with called the fct model and that is you know build familiarity with folks uh and then the c is for comfort and chemistry and then the t is for trust and i define that in two ways one it's the trust that you're going to do the right thing always, no matter what, right? And then the other aspect of it is to deliver results that are consistent with the values of that organization in a way that exceed expectations. And so when I work with folks, I really hone in on making sure that they are aligned with their managers, aligned with the organization, that they self-manage, and they focus on building their FCT quotient. Um, That has been the pathway from a thematic standpoint of having worked with you know, people of color that are in senior level positions, right. how they've gotten there. But I, I can't emphasize enough about results. Um, you know, we get our first job, we get our first big paycheck, and um, we lose sight of the fact that we've just been invited to do more hard work. Right. And to get ahead, you gotta work even harder now to get to the next rung in the ladder.
0: And it has that person who finally has you know, somewhat made it, how does he bring others up that look like him or, or her.
1: Well, I think that the to identify those folks and and hopefully be in contact with those folks. But I just wanted to jump in and say also. Um, Professional associations. Mm-hmm. So many folks forget about professional associations, especially those who are that are geared to folks of color. Right. There are wonderful, I'm going to a presentation, Sisters of the Academy at Simmons College sure. this Monday. There are wonderful associations and conferences and workshops in which you can network with folks who are within your field of um, working and also be able to mentor. You get into these organizations and then you be become someone who is experienced and then there will be new folks joining and then you can mentor those folks. You can, come be, can become a mentor within your professional association.
0: Yeah, which is for me, I really have only had two real mentors in television and they were as impactful to me in my life as anyone could possibly be. Do we do enough mentoring of our people?
3: you know i think one of the interesting things that carla harris who was one of the first um african-american partners at morgan stanley says that that we focus so much in our communities on mentoring and we really need a sponsor in order to move up in in the work world and i think that that concept for me was really transformational the sponsor is someone who is going to talk about your qualifications and your skills when you're out of the room mm-hmm. so the mentor is the person who's yes. gonna bring you with them yes. and often you're you're kind of thought of right. in, in synonymously with that person sure. and it might not necessarily be that way with with the sponsor but you should know who your sponsor is and there should be an understanding there and I think that those concepts are more nuanced and um that we do need to do a better job of explaining um what that means to Mm -hmm. folks who are you know a generation um below us and sharing through i think our own personal lived examples Mm -hmm. what difference that makes it's hard you know to conceive of of things of that nature from a book and 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 abstract but i think you can do a lot of um sort of the, the modeling of the difference that other people have made in your life by making I statements. This is what happened to me. This was my experience, you know, de- demystifying how you move from one place in one step to another. I'm seeing
0: companies really kind of at least identify that there's an issue. I'm not sure if it's, if it's making strides, you know, I, I'm very close, you know, in my, my other work in finance. You know, some of the finance companies all seem to have a director of diversity and inclusion. But it always seems to be such a struggle for them to, to get, you know, a, a significant population of color into the workforce. Mm-hmm. And I think, that's, I think that's frustrating for them. Yes. So, um, again, great that they put somebody in that position and identified the problem, but still it's a problem in... So I guess my question would be, are we giving those companies enough opportunity or enough candidates of color that fit these
4: jobs. Yeah, I'm happy to address that. I focus on that with a lot of companies. And, you know, I would say that um, I haven't met a company that is not looking and starving and thirsty for a talent of color. Yeah. You know, they'll say to me, if, if I had a nickel for every time a chief diversity officer or a talent, acquisi- a talent acquisition officer said to me, "My gosh, if we could only find you know these you know these talented people of color, um, I'd be a very rich man." And so <laughs> the issue is not in um, their wanting to do this; it's really of sh- of creating a culture within their own organizations so that it becomes attractive to us, right? right. Yeah. And so unless I p pe- unless I see people that look like me that are reflected at different levels within the organization, including the top of the house, right? And I know that there's sponsorship. I know that there's mentorship. I know it has a, it has employee resource mm-hmm. groups that you pointed out earlier, um, <clears throat> that I can join to feel like I belong. Right. Um, then I'm not gonna go with that company. I'm gonna go with right. this company. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of the companies making sure that they create the type of organization that's going to attract talented people of color.
0: And the end of the day, it comes down to culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, If you're yes. in a culture that you don't want to be or you feel uncomfortable, you know, you're not yes. going to engage, you're not going to jump in, you're not going to go to work there. Right. Great conversation. I appreciate everybody staying. Yeah. It's been fun. As always, it's the end of our broadcast show. Thanks to all our guests. Great panel tonight. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us as we continue our conversation on Facebook Live and Twitter.